whose recent signing train wrecked two top 15 tight end seasons in the FFPC, what rookie running back may be losing his shine before the NFL draft, and just how did the tight ends finish in 2018 or 2017? Plus, FFPC Double Dynasty winner Doug Widener joins us, joins, joins us for some chat on why he believes zero RB is Still a losing coming. strategy, what he's giving up for Stephon Diggs and Dynasty right now more. We've got a, hopefully, great show for you. Dave Gerzik is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. What more can I say? We top billing it. Valiant without billing it. Viciously found victory. Burnt towns and villages. Burning looting and pillaging. Murderers try to hurt us. We curse them and all that killers. I just want the bread and bologna bundles to talk away. I don't work for free. I am barely giving a fuck away. Hotel begging Johnny and Mommy to get the fuck away. Hey, yo, here's a gun. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour here on a special Thursday night presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. And my co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak. Well, coming up on tonight's show, what is the fantasy fallout from the Giants' big trade today with the Buccaneers? What does Frank Gore's signing mean for Kenyon Drake? And much more, plus a two-league winner in the FFPC Dynasty Leagues last year. Two leagues he won, Doug Widener. He's going to actually drop in on the show in just a bit to discuss when Carson Wentz will be ready in 2018, who his number one receiver is in rookie drafts right now, and a ton more. Shout out to the chat room right now. If you have any po- uh, questions, post them in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, I'm at Eric Balkman. The show is at HSFFOR. Dave is at David Gerzak. You can post on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash HSFFOR. If you uh, want to give us a call tonight, please do, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OBA. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you do have any questions tonight for us or for Doug, now is the time to send them. Our audio engineer, Bryce, uh, producer and mutual friend, Rob, will get those questions to us. Uh, in the second half of the show in the uh, fantasy feedback segment, uh, I want to bring up a couple of things before we uh, get to Doug Widener tonight. Dave, we announced a special, I believe, an unprecedented early bird promotion for the FFPC this year from the Football Guys Players Championship. Register your team before June 30th, draft it before July 15th, and the FFPC gives you a free $35 league credit. Yes, sir. can be used as a classic, best ball, super flex, whatever you want. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. It is a very good deal, and it's such a good deal that we'll give it to you again if you do it for two teams. But surely we wouldn't do it if you bought three teams. We, we just can't do that. There's no way. Okay, go ahead. 
What? Are you telling me we're going to do it for three teams, too? This is insane. Oh, my God. Operators are standing by the phones right now. Don't call. We don't, we're not answering. Up to, yeah, that's the beauty of it, actually. You don't have to call. Just go on the website, myffpdc.com, and uh, register there. And uh, you'll get up to, if you buy a, a three-pack, you'll get three uh, $35 uh, lead credits, too. So this is great, too, because you can actually do – it's more chances to win, more prep for another football guy's team, another main event, whatever you want to do. It's a great deal, so check that out, myffpc.com. Uh, best ball drafts, classic super flexes, starting at $35, are drafting now. Check that out, myffpc.com. Plenty of dynasty startups as well. I feel like, Dave, there's a dynasty startup that's got probably five or six spots left in it that is drafting this Saturday. So if you want to jump in now – uh, into that draft, you can uh, start drafting this Saturday and build your dynasty today uh, at myffpc.com. So let's get into uh, tonight's guest here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I want to bring him in right now. He is a lifetime Philadelphia Eagles fan. Congrats to him. And his fantasy biases include Eagles players, no Sean Moreno. I was with you on that one. And Percy Harvin. Dave, weren't you a Percy Harvin fan back in the day, too? Not really. No? Okay. I thought you were. Uh, maybe I was. Well, go back and uh, check the tape. Uh, check the tape, exactly. He says he will happily draft all the running backs you're ignoring with your zero RB theories. He co-manages teams with his uh, father, Paul, his brother, Dan, and his friend, Ryan, through the FFPC and is blessed in his personal life with two beautiful daughters and a wife who is so supportive of the countless hours he spends on fantasy, he called out his hobby during their wedding vows. Aw. <laughs> uh, we are calling on him tonight to dispense some knowledge tonight, fresh off his victories at both the 750 and 500 dynasty levels in the FFPC. Please welcome into the show, Mr. Doug Widener. Doug, thanks for doing the show tonight, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, not a problem. Thanks for having me. Has the, uh, has the party finally stopped in the Philadelphia area? With, with the vandalism? With the Eagle, oh, clearly the vandalism hasn't stopped. But with the Eagles yeah, celebrating yeah. this Super Bowl win, I mean, are you still partying it up? I wish, I wish, for sure. But, yeah, it was pretty terrific. You know, the whole city was pumped and, you know, definitely, definitely got a little out of hand. But that's, you know, perfectly fine for, for the way we had to put up with. I think I, I would have been a little annoyed if, or, or I thought something was wrong if it did not get out of hand in the uh, in Philadelphia after a Super Bowl win. I just I fully expected it. Uh, Doug, tell the listeners uh, what you do for a living when you are not crushing FFPC high stakes dynasty leagues. Uh, sure, sure. So I actually I work in finance. I work out of New York City. Uh, I'm based in New Jersey, but as you can probably guess, I'm originally from the Philadelphia area. Any high fi- highfalutin finance questions tonight, Dave? What We're happened to the stock market today, Doug? <laughs> We're going forward, everybody. I, I, I have no insight into that, that stuff, unfortunately. So, so no great tips there. Least, I think it's the tariffs. They, I think it's probably the interest rates. Rate. Rate. All right, let's talk fantasy. Yeah, let's do that. Boring myself even here. Our show here. just dropped 700 points. All right, so you won the 750 number 7 Dynasty League last year, which, by the way, we just uh, – uh, we have a new owner in that league uh, as of tonight. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Anybody I know or no? Um, Todd Walker. Todd Walker. C-A something. Okay. Taking over Daniel Weiss's team. Anyway. Uh, Dan Weiss, I know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so what can you tell us about one of your star receivers on the squad, Jarvis Landry? Um, Jarvis Landry, uh, do you see his dynasty value changing with his move to Cleveland from Miami? Sure. I, I mean, I, I guess I can see. Pulling back, I mean, obviously Cleveland's a little bit of a uh, of a sore spot in terms of fantasy football and real football over the last 
few decades. But for me personally, um, you know, looking at Tyrod Taylor, he's never really been someone to chuck down the field. I think his he's never had a season where he's averaged more than eight yards per, per pass. Um, so I think that fits pretty well with, you know, what Landry offers in the short passing game. So beyond that, I mean, Cleveland will almost certainly draft a quarterback. And for that, uh, you know, Landry offers a lot of his value as sort of a security blanket in a sense. So I could even see, you know, once a rookie quarterback kind of fills in there, that value continuing to uh, exist for the passing game. Um, you know, Doug, so, given, you know, I, given what given, – Given what you just said about uh, Tyrod Taylor not throwing the ball downfield, what if you own Josh Gordon in a dynasty league right now? Are you shopping him around and maybe taking less than 100 cents on the dollar because you, you think he might take a step back with maybe David Njoku taking a step forward in his second year with Jarvis Landry commanding a, you know, a fairly significant target share? What, what would you be doing with Josh Gordon right now in that offense? Yeah, that's a tough one because, you know, as I mentioned, I mean, in the short term, it may be kind of a drawback on his game and, you know, certainly Corey Coleman in terms of, you know, getting down the field and, and getting some of those longer passes. But, you know, I, I fully believe that Cleveland has to draft a quarterback at, you know, either one or four, and it's looking most likely at one. So, you know, if if, if they make the right choice and they bring in someone who's, you know, going to add a lot of value in, in the sense of the quarterback position, they may be worth worth a hold. So I don't know if I'd really sell anyone at a discount at the moment, for sure. Keeping the conversation on the receivers on this team that you have in addition to Landry, you also have Tyreek Hill here as well, who obviously had a massive end of the 2016 season, parlayed that into a very solid uh, elite uh, 2017 season. So now the Chiefs go out and they start paying Sammy Watkins $16 million a year uh, on a team that already had Kareem Hunt, that already had Travis Kelsey, what does the signing of Watkins mean for Tyreek Hill? Is his value higher uh, because Watkins is going to take some pressure off him? Is it lower because Watkins is going to take some targets from him? Or is it roughly the same because Tyreek Hill is, you know, simply a, a fantastic receiver, and no matter who's opposite of him, he's going to be able to be, put up big numbers? Yeah, I, I think you're touching on some good points there. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is obviously the winner here. That should be a great offense with Hill, Kelsey, Hunt, and now Watkins. Obviously, when you have so many stud players and on one team, it's a valid concern to think about all those maps to feed and what that means for fantasy production. That being said, I don't see it drastically altering any of these guys' value, inclusive of Hill, in, in a very negative way. Um, the contract they gave Watkins certainly makes you think twice. Uh, that's obviously you know a pretty large amount, but I think they'll do pretty fine in terms of spinning the ball around and running across the field. And Andy Reid usually does a pretty good job with that. You know, I, I could see Watkins putting up uh, similar production to what he did last year and, you know, certainly, you know, opening up the field a bit for the other guys in terms of spreading that field out. So I, I wouldn't really, you know, knock any of those guys down a step. Certainly Watkins is going to produce a little bit more than the number two from last year. So there might be a bit of attrition, but, Nothing that's really concerning me that much. And, Dave, this is all good news. Kelsey, Hill, Watkins, Hunt, it's all good news for Patrick Mahomes as in his first year as a starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he's going to move up draft boards. He's still, you can still get him really late right now. If you're drafting in the FFPC best ball, Mahomes is your number two quarterback. you got to love that, right? 
I do love that, actually. Where is he being drafted? Do you have a- I do. I can tell you right now that Patrick Mahomes, I don't know, I couldn't tell you, like, what number quarterback he's going uh, off the board right now, but sure. I can tell you he's going at the 10-08, so you can get him in the double-digit rounds right now. Um, he's going after guys like Prescott, Rivers, Mariota, and Winston, and Goff. You yeah, you know, with the weapons he has, I mean, you know, he's a lot more unproven than Prescott, but Prescott kind of struggled last year, even though he, you know, he still, we, we were joking about how last week, what was his, uh, he was still QB, what, six or seven? Ten. Prescott? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, ten the last two years. I think Mahomes has some real upside. Some guy, by the way, did, did take Patrick, oh, no, I'm sorry, that was Chris Carson went at the 409. Patrick Mahomes earliest was 712. Chris Carson at the 409. My goodness. Wow. Somebody loves them some Seahawks. Go ahead, Dave. All right. So, Doug, let's talk about Derek Cohen instead, actually. I wonder where the highest spot of him getting drafted is. Uh, so, he, uh, he was on your 500 number 17 team as well as the other team that, uh, that won. So, that 500 number 17, you won that league as well. Are you gonna, do you use him much on those two teams? And do you think he'll be any good on the, you know, the newly revamped Chicago offense in 2018? Yeah, so I, I didn't use him much on my 750 team. I actually just picked him up on the 500 team a little bit before this season, and I have him on another one of my 500 teams. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly a big fan, and I have big expectations for him moving forward. Uh, you know, I, I think what he offers is, you know, a, a little more dynamic than really what John Fox could, could handle in terms of that, that offense that he ran. And I felt like he was a bit criminally underused and and misused. I, I assume Nagy will look to open that offense up, up a bit, um, similar to what they're doing in KC, which I which I think bodes well for Cohen's skill set. You know, I'm liking Cohen in Cohen. dynasty and best ball formats this year, for sure. Cohen is a guy that I think really represents what the NFL has, not even what it's shifting to, what it's already shifted towards over the last few years. And, and I think players like him, uh, are the players that uh, smart offensive coordinators are able to exploit their talents, exploit their skill set. And uh, I, I'm fully with you. I think Cohen is going to have a good uh, 2018. Dave, in that Kentucky draft, that's who I drafted as my second running back was Tariq Cohen. And, you know, obviously I was going to wait on – Yeah, I was going to wait on my second running back. I ended up you with obviously Cohen. did. Yeah, and I did. It, it, you listen, really, really want to wait. Hey, it's, it's not like a best ball. I mean, I will have the chance to pick up guys throughout the season. But, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited <laughs> for Cohen this year. Uh, we are excited tonight because Doug Widener is our guest here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak talking to the man who won two FFPC High Stakes Dynasty Leagues last year. And uh, let's talk about zero RB. We know you don't like it, Doug. And I'm curious, did you apply that strategy to Dynasty? And is that how you ended up with Alvin Kamara, a guy who was not going in the top half of the first round uh, in FFPC Dynasty League, sometimes not even until the early second. But is this how you got Kamara on both these teams? Was just other guys wanting to build their teams around receivers rather than running backs? Yeah, I mean, I think that plays a part of it, right? And I, I think I also tend to focus on some of these RBs that also add value through their receiving skills. Um, so actually, you know, I picked up Kamara on three of my teams. And just, again, it was a matter of, you know, Kamara being this individual who came out with a strong pedigree back to high school, the size to handle a decent workload, um, and obviously, you know, plus receiving skills. So the combination of those aspects led me to believe that, you know, that would be an attractive price for him coming through the second half of the first round. And it certainly paid off. Um, but in terms of, you know, looking to the RB position, specifically RBs who are receivers, I've, for me, it's a bit of a, a matter of scarcity. 
looking for those opportunities and looking to grab those uh, running backs is is definitely something I focus on. Interesting, Balky. What do you think? Well, I, you know, I'm curious. I'll I'll follow that up. Something I that I thought of because we always talk about wanting to sell high on players in, in dynasty leagues, and I think obviously you could definitely make the case that you should or that you could sell high on Kamara right now and get a King's ransom for him. But I don't know. And, and Doug, maybe you're not even bothering to, to shop him around to see what you can get. But for Kamara, what, what, what's the starting point in trade talks if you were to move Kamara right now? Because he, he might not be as efficient as he was last year. He might take a step back in his dynasty value. What would you be looking at to, to try to, to, uh, to move Kamara right now? Where, where does it start? Is it an elite running back and a future first? Where, where does it go with, uh, with his value? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're going in the right direction. I mean, it would definitely be multiple firsts and have to involve early firsts at that, or, you know, a, a certainly a top 25 player, you know, top 24 player or whatever. Um, right, so I'm, I Quick, certainly am very high on Kamara. Okay. Can we, can we do a quick would you yeah, rather? Yeah. We'll give you three different uh, options. Yeah. Uh, Kamara or the 101? This year's 101. Yes, Barkley. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a tough one because you know obviously Barkley has has shown that he's something pretty special. Um, so that that really is a tough one. Uh, jeez, but you know Kamara's already proved that at the NFL level. I guess, yeah. I, guess I might yeah. even lean. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's tough. Um, I'd be hard pressed. I'm, I'm I might take Barkley. I'm just very high on him, but that sounds sounds kind of silly to say. And I think any other year I. I probably wouldn't do the same because there's a lot of uncertainty with rookie picks, whereas if you have someone who's already producing, that's typically where I'd stay. That's pretty close to what you think, Bob. I think, well, I'll, I'll say this right now. I would, this is my cop-out answer. I, I would rather have... Give me one, a real answer. No, no, here's, here's what I would do. I would, oh flip, I would flip Camara for the 101. No, I, would, I would rather have the 101, and then you know what I would do? Open season on the bidding for the oh, 101, right. and then I'd, I'd turn around and flip the 101. All right, I'll take Barkley in that situation. Yeah. So then uh, what about Kareem Hunt, a player who's actually kind of similarly valued, but, you know, he's, he doesn't have to worry about Mark Ingram on his team at all, but he, you know, wasn't quite as explosive. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I would probably lean towards Kamara. I mean, they're both great. I, I have them both on a couple teams, but, uh, you know, what Kamara brings to the table is – as both a kind of a running back and a wide receiver, kind of one of those players you're talking about earlier in terms of where they can offer value through multiple ways, I feel Kamara could still be producing 10 years from now. Yeah, you know, it's actually an interesting point. I was leaning towards Hunt a lot more, but I was thinking about all the weapons that, you know, Kansas City has. Uh, he has a free on back. But, you know, he's right in that, you know, he might be playing, a, a, have a longer career. Yeah. It'd be, and Wingram's probably going to be gone next year is a, is a guess. It's entirely possible. And, and the, the, like you guys alluded to it, the fact that Kareem Hunt is a three-down back might work against him as far as who would you rather have for dynasty purposes. You probably want the guy that's taking less of a pounding, and that's Kamara. Well, but you also want the guys getting a three-down work. Oh, oh. I, I understand that. But if Kamara is catching all these passes and he's still performing at a, at a – even a above average efficient level, wouldn't you rather have the longevity of that guy? Well, I think I would rather have the longevity. I mean, he was like super, like his efficiency metrics were off. You know, yeah. you were over. I, I'm assuming he is going to regress. All right, All right so uh, Leonard Fournette, last one. Uh, I, w- I would probably, you know, I, I would keep probably Kamara and Hunt over Fournette. I mean, I love Fournette. He runs right. 
hard as anything, but, you know, I'm, I'm scared of him getting injured. And he doesn't really offer as much in the passing game. Well, plus, not to mention that, the Jaguars also, you know, they let Allen Robinson go, and they signed Lee, and they signed Moncrief. So they're still pretty stupid down there, right? <laughs> so let's just – And Niles Paul. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, they're not that bright. Anyway, so let's move on. Um, so we think about – back to zero RB, we think about it in terms of redraft uh, leagues. But it seems like players in dynasty value wide receivers even more. Um, do you feel that's a mistake? It says here, why do you feel that's a mistake? So you must feel that way. Yeah, so, so beyond the scarcity um, that I mentioned earlier, also I think fantasy players have gotten a bit spoiled in terms of some of the early production from rookie wide receivers in recent years. I think we'll see that return to not necessarily being the norm. So it may take two or three years for some of these wide receivers to develop, whereas with an RB, you'll likely know what you have sooner or later and be able to kind of turn that around and monetize it if you so want. Um and especially in leagues where you have to cut your roster down to, you know, 16 or cut it down to, you know, a tighter roster, do you really want to be holding developmental players, you know, year over year? Yeah, it's, and especially like you alluded to at the FFPC, where they, they are not deep rosters at, at the time of roster cut down. You are really taking a leap of faith in, in your belief in a guy if you're waiting for – you know, one, two years uh, for the guy to develop, you're costing yourself uh, chances at uh, winning titles, which Doug Widener did twice last year uh, at the FFPC level. Let's talk about uh, Stephon Diggs. You own him on both of those championship-winning leagues. Uh, Doug, if someone offered you Allen Robinson straight up for him right now, would you do that deal? Basically, who would you rather have in Dynasty right now? Is it Stephon Diggs or is it Allen Robinson? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Diggs. I mean, I, I wouldn't go for A-Rob coming off injury, you know, at the price of Diggs. I'm excited to see what Diggs can do in the offense with a real QB. And I fully expect Cousins to open up that offense, which, you know, I, I think will be to the benefit of, of Diggs. Diggs, I think, might be in, in dynasty right now. He's the type of guy that, that I think people should actually be trying to see what they can get to acquire him because you have um, – Case, Case Keenum uh, is the guy who's throwing to him last year. So we all know what he was able to do with Keenum, and I think that's fresh in people's minds. But we also have what Keenum did with Thielen. And Adam Thielen has probably seen his highest dynasty value ever, higher than anybody probably ever thought it would be. Uh, so the fact that if you can acquire Diggs right now, Diggs I'd actually might take a big step forward this year if Thielen, again, regresses to the mean, as I like to say, Dave. Uh, Diggs could actually have a big 2018 season for sure. So I'm actually with you. I I thought it was – I looked at um, – I think this was – was I on Dynasty League Football or Fantasy Pros or something? I was surprised uh, that, that Diggs was ahead of, of uh, Robinson significantly on that. I, I mean, I would rather have Diggs, but it's closer. Uh, and you look at um, uh, how, how far uh, they were apart. Uh, it was surprising. So clearly – the majority agrees with you uh, with Diggs over Robinson. We've uh, talked. I'll take Robinson myself. You would really? Yeah, I can. Robinson. I, I always like. I, I, I just like Allen Robinson's skill set a lot. Is it? He's a real, I think he's uh, you know he's a one of those big dominant you know, wide receiver number one type guys. And I think his value is deflated because of the injury. And you're not. And that's having Dalton to you even during. But the that is true. You're not concerned with him maybe having a slow uh, 2018 coming back coming you know first year off the ACL. It's, I mean, it's possible, but I mean it's. It didn't sound like it was one of those really drastically terrible ones. It was super early in the season, of course, so I think that that helps him. And he's a, he's a hardworking guy. I mean, he, you know, I, I think he's a, re, he's a real professional. Yeah, you've trained with him. Yeah. <laughs> you can just, I, I just, I 
check his Twitter. He's not one of you know. He's not out there on Instagram. He's not he's not kicking in, you know, kicking out thirty story windows. Right. And threatening to you know, kill himself, and he's not naked. Fight, he's not fighting for Jesus. Yeah, none of that stuff. Yeah, nothing like that. Uh, we have talked enough about veteran wide receivers, Dave. Let's talk to Doug about the future receivers in the NFL, the rookie receivers, specifically the big three at the top of most NFL draft boards right now. Yeah, so we're talking uh, – I wouldn't say these are the big three, but I'll let you say that. Okay. So uh, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, and Cortland Sutton, if you have a favorite out of those three right now. And DJ Moore has been moving up, so let's make yeah, it yeah. those four. So let's sure. say DJ Moore, Christian Kirk, Ridley, and Sutton. What do you think? Yeah, so, so I was actually going to add more in there. So I'm going to bust the trend here a little bit. Oh. I mean, I guess it sounds like Ridley's going to be the first wide receiver off the board in real draft. Um, but, you know, I think I'm going to probably stay away at that price. I have concerns about his size, specifically his weight, and his athletic profile combination. Uh, you know, I was pretty surprised about what Sutton did at the Combine um, in terms of his size and athleticism. And I really like Kirk as a player. Um, so, like I said, I'd probably bring in D.J. Moore and James Washington here as well. Uh, those guys are built more like running backs and certainly could bring a dynamic aspect to uh, to an NFL offense in terms of how they get the ball in their hands. But in a bubble, you know, not knowing where these three guys go in the real draft, I'd probably lean Kirk. Um, but I'll, I'll probably take the approach of focusing on RBs first, you know, some stud RBs in this year's draft, and take a Moore or Washington at a discount compared to those other guys. I'm able to do so. Well, you, you said Matt Waldman from, uh, you know, the whatever you call it. Rookie Scouting Portfolio, footballguys.com. Yes, yes. yes. Great guy. Great, great analyst. He said, what did you say that he had six running backs? Like, uh, you're going to, yeah, I, I honestly don't remember. It was, but it was some insane it, amount of running backs that were, like, way, way, way up there. So this is a great year for, for you, Doug, as far as, you know, your yeah. types of guys. Uh, so he liked that, first of all. And then. I, I think, honestly, here's what I remember. I think he, if you combine this year's running back class and last year's running back class, I think he said he had six guys ahead of McCaffrey. Wow. Some, it was something insane like that. Like, I couldn't even believe. Um, but he was not super high on McCaffrey, to be clear. Right? That's true. He was okay. Um, and then the other thing was Christian Kirk, when I saw him in the combine, yeah. doing the gauntlet, he was, like, he was fantastic. I mean, his hands were great. He, he stayed completely straight on the line, and he, and he ran fast through that, which is exactly what they want them to do in the drill. Kirk looked great in that, I thought. Yeah. I, didn't, it, I don't remember seeing Sutton, though, because I forgot. I, I, no, I saw – well, I didn't see him – I can't remember if I saw him in the gauntlet, but I saw him do the, uh, the 40. And just – you know, the other thing, too, is what's interesting about the combine is you see, you're seeing these guys, like, honestly, like, for the first time. Sort of, and they're, they're basically, you know – not that, you know, I, I know I'm opening myself up to – being ripped on here. Well, you don't spend but, your entire Saturdays sitting around watching watching college football, nor do you spend your, all your nights in your parents' basement no. like some of these analysts watching games. Watching or, games. or their own basement. Right, yeah. I guess they might have their own. But, they, but you're right. seeing these guys in, like, the skin-tight, you know, um, top and then the spandex shorts. So you're seeing, a, like, a pretty good look at these, these guys' bodies. <laughs> and then, I know. I said I was opening myself up to it. I knew you were going to. And then, but to see Sutton, like, step up to the line. Good-looking? I, I Dave, come on. So he steps up to the line, and not only did he look the part, but he ran the part. Like, it was just like, wow, how – What was glistening um, I can't even make a point anymore. Go ahead. Go and ahead. So, but the point I'm trying to make is, like, this guy looked the part, he ran the part, and this is a guy that we were talking about even last year as being a, a high draft pick uh, as far as Sutton goes. So I'm just like um, – I, I, 
I, I wasn't as high on Sutton as I was after I saw him at the combine. There's a lot of, I think a lot of people were, but he looked really good at the combine. Kirk looked really good at the combine and DJ Moore. I think those are the three guys that really set themselves apart. Sutton's three cone drill looked good at the combine. Yeah. Six, five, seven. And what is he weigh? Like two eighteen. Yeah. But That's I'm crazy. Right, but I made the joke that like the three cone drill for a six, five guy, it's just basically it's three. Whatever. It's, it's like three steps for him. You know what you I know, mean? That's a good good point. I'm sorry. By the way, Joe, we'll uh, talk to you in a second. <laughs> but you know, so, uh, that's a good point. Except that why don't all the other six five guys do it? Because they yeah. don't. A yeah. lot of them are like a seven four. Right. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. That's a great point. Uh, okay. Let's uh, listen. Enough of us talking, talking. about uh, you know our. Well, let's our run the interview much longer. No. Well, I want to I want to get to some emails that came in specifically for Doug because they knew people our listeners knew this was going to happen. This is Roger in Beach Island, South Carolina. He writes, Hey, Doug. What week will Carson Wentz reassume his starting duties for the Eagles? Congrats, man. That is Roger in Beach Island, South Carolina. Thanks for the email, Roger. This probably hits close to home, you being an Eagles fan, but what are your thoughts as far as, like, you know, put it in a fantasy perspective, when does Wentz get back out there under center for the Eagles this season? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean for, for an Eagles fan, I'm certainly hoping it's week one. Um, you know, and we're hearing a lot of the kind of, sugar-coated stories coming out from the team that, you know, he's optimistic about that and they're optimistic about that. So, you know, as a biased Eagles fan, I'm going to have to go with that for now and just, just hope he's out there for week one and, and ready to roll. But sometimes you got to listen to your heart. And, let, hey, after what I saw the Eagles do this past year, where, you know, even when I doubted them, they, they came through in the clutch. I have no doubt that Carson Wentz embodies that mentality. And maybe he is out there week one. I certainly wouldn't be uh, surprised at all to see that. Uh, next email, Derek in Versailles, Kentucky. What's up, Doug? Hi, friend. Uh, no, but it is spelled the same way. Uh, do you see Jay Ajayi's dynasty value at a high right now? Is now the time to deal him? Thanks for the email, Derek in Versailles, Kentucky. I appreciate uh, Jay Ajayi as much as the next guy, but if I owned him in dynasty and he's the starting running back on a Super Bowl winning team, I might start shopping, right? especially with his knee. Think about that knee condition, too. I might start thinking about, like, okay, let's see what I could get for him. Is, has his dynasty value peaks, uh, Doug? We, we know Clement's there. We know they could add somebody in the draft. I, I've heard Darius Geis mentioned with Philadelphia. What are your thoughts on flipping a Jai at this point? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, yeah, I would certainly do it if I had the opportunity. You know, I, I think he's a good running back, but I think the Eagles are taking the approach where, you know, they've got – a few good backs back there, and they'll probably look to add one more. They can certainly, you know, carry the ball and they'll look to spread it around. So he may have some real-life value, but in terms of fantasy production, it's, it's going to be tough to kind of recoup that. Pumphrey's there too, Dave. I forgot about him. Remember Donnell Pumphrey? Yeah, the guy who started ahead of Rashad Penny, uh, yep. Penny exactly. on the bench. So yep. This- Hidden talent of 2,700 yards. Did you know what I found out tonight, as an aside? No. Matt Breida and Jarek McKinnon are both teammates now for the 49ers. Okay. Both of them went to Georgia Southern. Oh, really? Isn't that weird? Yeah, it, that is actually weird. How bizarre. Anyway. But it's different, you know, like, so he was a... I don't think they were there at the same time. Because yeah. McKinnon's been in the league for, what, seven years now? Six years? Seven years? No. Well, I don't, I don't know, honestly. Just probably like, what is he, like 33, 34? No, that's how many bench press reps he had. Ah, I always get bench press and age mixed up. Okay, perfect. Don't bring on McKinnon. I don't own him anymore. I own him in like all my dynasty teams, and somehow I looked at you after I saw this happen. What if the Niners draft don't somebody? Own what if they draft somebody? Anyway, Doug, uh, so let's talk here. Question, uh, one of my favorite questions. Who's in your first-round rookie draft dynasty bust? A lot of adjectives there. Yep. 
And who's going to be uh, going the second or third round of rookie draft is going to have a great fantasy career. And we are taking notes. All right. I think I'm going to piggyback off my earlier answer and, and take Ridley and his uh, 7% spark score or whatever that was as, as my potential bust. Um, a guy I see falling into the mid-second round in terms of rankings and early second term, uh, second in terms of ADP, which I'm actually kind of surprised about this, so I'll have to kind of recheck that. But I see Royce Freeman falling a little bit, um, which I certainly don't expect that to be the case, you know, closer to the draft. But, again, you got a guy there with, you know, great size, great production in terms of rushing and receiving in college. Um, and certainly the size to be a workhorse back. So if I can, you know, obviously yeah, that price is a bit of a steal. And I'll say this about Royce Freeman, Dave. This is a guy that I've been not, like, trumpeting as my guy or whatever, but I have said I liked him. This is a guy who, who, who plays in um, – uh, he played in the Oregon offense, which doesn't really – it's not really a good representation of a good NFL offense uh, by and large. But cool helmet, this was a guy that a lot of, not only did he excel in that offense, but a lot of people said this guy's going to be a better pro than he was a college player. And I, I think that's certainly possible. Royce Freeman, not enough people are talking about him. I think, he's gonna be, I think he's going to be very productive uh, as a rookie, especially if he lands in, in the right situation. So that's, I agree I'm, with I'm, I, I agree on Freeman, and you know what? I agree on Ridley, too. Dave, do you agree on Ridley, first-round boss? Yeah, I, I, I actually think that um, – I think that the Ridley's value is dropping really quickly. I, yeah. I, I feel like he's he's moving, he'll be moving towards closer to the end of the first round dynasty drafts. Unless I mean, if he goes in the top twenty picks, but I have a feeling he's going to drop in the NFL draft as well. Yeah, that, and that's and and you know what, the NFL draft could dictate about you know what if he's the third receiver off the board well, in the NFL draft. As well, it should actually. I mean, those are the people that do it professionally. Even though we I rip on mostly the Dolphins and sometimes the Jaguars. Yeah. A lot of these organizations know what they're doing. <laughs> some, some of them do. I'll tell you who knows what he's doing. Doug Widener, uh, one of the FFPC uh, Dynasty Leagues at both the 750 and 500 level last year. Uh, you were batting 500 last year as far as titles go, winning two of them uh, out of your four Dynasty teams there, Doug. So congratulations on that. Good luck on repeating this year. Uh, good luck in all your leagues, man. This is fun uh, talking to you tonight. And fly, Eagles, fly. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Doug Widener, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a high finance guy working in New York, living in Jersey, and cheering for Philly. <laughs> Gotta love it. Great stuff. He's obviously uh, smart. He's not living in Manhattan like dummy Alex. <laughs> oh, he's not, not wasting all of his money on rent and mortgages and so forth. That's true. Uh, Dave, our longtime listener, Aces Rebels, in the chat tonight. Oh, yeah. Right breaking on. some NFL news in there. Mike Wallace, now a Philadelphia Eagle. Playing opposite Alshon Jeffrey, keeping Matt Collins' dynasty owners ticked off. And Terrell Pryor, maybe the new number one receiver for the New York football Jets. That's interesting. Pryor's, I mean, I'm going to tell you why. Pryor's talks. I'm going to tell you why. Jets moved up to number three, right, in the draft, trading uh, with the Colts. That's correct. So they have the three pick. They obviously want to take a quarterback there. Rookie quarterbacks tend to find a safety blanket. They're going, to, they're going to take one of the Joshes. Okay. They're just Joshes. Do you know there's an anyone but Allen, uh, like, campaign going on in New York right now? <laughs> ABA? Yeah. Um, Maybe, I, I don't think they're taking Mayfield. I don't think they have the, the stones to do that. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, I, you know, I think Mayfield was pulling that, too. Here, but here, here's my point Sorry. that I was going to say. Yeah. ASJ is, is no longer there, so you don't have, like, the, the tight end security blanket. But what happens at prior is that, target that this rookie quarterback locks onto. And, and, you know, maybe McCown starts and it's, 
you know, for the majority of the season, it's moved. But Pryor is an interesting guy to pay attention to, maybe not for Dynasty, but for redraft, for sure. I'm, I'm kind of interested in him. You could probably get him super late. Obviously, you know, the signing is fresh, so he is actually going to move up draft boards. But he was going in the 19th round of FFPC best ball drafts. Got to go ahead and grab him there. Well, I remember last year when I, I don't think – well, I know I didn't like Pryor. I didn't draft him anywhere. And uh, he was going in the fourth round. Everybody was talking him up like he was so great. Yeah. What happened? It wasn't great. I didn't pay much attention to him. So, what, I mean, he was terrible. What yeah. was it? Why was he so terrible? Uh, well, I, I think you had the gelling with a new quarterback and a new offense that already had Jameson Crowder, that already had Jordan Reed, that already had some established Reed was guys hurt. There. Crowder was hurt. Didn't play hardly at all. Doxon barely played. And then he got hurt. So, I mean, who's catching passes there, Grant? Ryan oh, Crowder, Crowder did. Well, Ryan Grant. But uh, early caught a lot of passes. Crowder caught a lot of passes. I don't, you know... I don't, I don't have my figures know, in front of me. Yeah, it's not like I'm a Thompson was, was pretty big. Till, right. Thompson was pretty big right. at the start of the season. Vernon Davis, remember when Jordan Reed was hurt, Vernon Davis yeah, yeah, performed very well. We're going to okay. talk about him at the end of the show when we talk right. about how the tight ends finished. Um, but, yeah. I don't feel like he has a lot of excuses for being so poor. He wasn't even playing later in the season. And I believe he's, what, going on 29, 28? He's not a young man anymore. He's older than you thought McKinnon was. Yeah, exactly. But what were his bench press reps? That's the real question. <laughs> I bet they weren't that good. Thanks to Football Guys, Real World, Rob, and Aces Rebels for tonight's rundown. Uh, breaking uh, our, our, our scoop reporter, Aces Rebels, giving us the Mike Wallace and Trout prep. By the way, Mike Wallace, I don't care for fantasy about this. I was actually shocked he's still playing. So there you go. NFL Network's Tom Pellicero reports Marshawn Lynch took a $500,000 pay cut from the Raiders before a $1 million roster bonus was due this past Saturday. Lynch was previously guaranteed no money on his contract, but according to Pelissero, Lynch is basically guaranteed $4.5 million thanks to this restructure, and his uh, contract has a base value of $5.5 million this year. Well, so, I wonder if he negotiated that himself or if he had an agent do it. Would you like to talk about this? No, I know. I'm just saying Richard Sherman's an idiot, and that was smart because I'm sure his agent wisely handled this new negotiation and earned him $5 million bucks. I don't like throwing cool. people under the bus. And Sherman's an idiot. Let's move on. Okay. Went to Stanford, yet he's somehow dumb. But I will say this. I have never been a Richard Sherman fan, and uh, I'm glad he's happy with his contract, and I think he deserves everything he gets. I totally agree with you. He's taking, you know, he saved himself uh, 1.5% or $90,000. Yep. Wow, that's impressive. Yep. As long as he's happy with it, Dave. Hey, it's a, you know, it's an eight-year-old uh, family he could buy with that money. reason I bring this uh, Marshawn Lynch thing up is because there was some speculation that he might get released after they signed Doug Martin. Um, John, Which is why it was very smart how they handled it. Right. Good job by Lynch. John, John Gruden, by the way. Um, <laughs> where did I read this? Is this Roto World Just or something? anything he says, you know, it's like he, fingers he, on a chalkboard. He said he wanted to, like, take – football back to 2003 or something like that. And that's basically what he's been doing with a lot of these moves. It was Roto World because they just signed um, uh, Breno Giacomini, who has been uh, a pro football focus, graded him out as the 83rd best tackle out of 83 qualifying tackles last year. <laughs> Raiders just signed him. They just signed the corpse of Doug Martin and Jordy Nelson, who, let's face it, is not exactly in his prime anymore. I am interested. And then Marshawn Lynch Although running, two weeks ago, he was great. running the backfield. <laughs> Man, I am nervous about this Raiders offense. I still think it's going to be good for Cooper because I think this offense is – he's going to be the only guy, like, left standing. Everybody else is going to have broken backs and necks and, you know, using canes and everything. I don't think Cooper will. But, man, the, the Lynch thing, I don't think you can really get anything for him in Dynasty right now. I have him in one Dynasty league. I have him in one redraft league. I think you can get him fairly cheap in that. 
I'm all right with him as like a number four running back uh, sure. in redraft and, and just plug him in there in the few weeks that you need him and hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, he could, he could be all right. He I mean, looked, why not? He looked, he, it, the, the season he had last year wasn't all that bad. He could be, I mean, I'm guessing he was a, some sort of an RB2 last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, look, some sort of what? Yeah, I mean, some, you know, whether it's 13 to 24. Right. So he, I mean, just look, I can look well, while you look that up, I'll tell you right now that if you are drafting in the yeah. FFPC, he has an ADP of the 10-10 right now. I'm sorry, he was the 20, he was RB25. Yeah. And, but that included a game in week seven with a point nine, and then he missed week eight. Okay, so there you go. So, although, so, I, no, point, I mean, he only averaged like 11.3, and so it wasn't all that great. And, but again, it's a new coaching staff. And, and I think uh, you look at that, Dave, that's probably what you can expect for him uh, this year. But if you're in the 11th round, it's not, I mean, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, one of, uh, another one of Dave's favorite whipping boys, Eric Ebron. The oh, new Indian, one of my favorite teams, the Colts. The Indianapolis Colts get him on a two-year deal. Uh, he can earn up to $15 million over the course of the two years. Uh, this was after the Lions cut him before his $8 million salary became guaranteed for 2018. Uh, and this is bad news for Jack Doyle because he was really the only tight end there now. And whether you think Ebron's good or not, the Colts obviously do think he is something. So he will be out there. Uh, and maybe Jack Doyle and him cannibalizing uh, a little bit, Frank Reich the new head coach for the Colts, and Nick Sirianni, his offensive coordinator, came from uh, the Eagles and the Chargers, respectively, where the Eagles used Trey Burton, Zach Ertz quite a bit, and in the San Diego slash L.A., they used Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates quite a bit. I don't know if this is very good for either Ebron or Doyle's value, but I'm not super excited about Jack Doyle all of a sudden. Well, I agree. Let me just, Andrew Luck tweeted about this. He said, uh, dearest mother, welcome to news. Was this Andrew Luck or Captain Andrew Luck? Oh, whatever. <laughs> the unit has a new soldier to help them in advance down the battlefield. Readying for, readying for this moment by training among, among lions, not amongst. I have no doubt Lieutenant Ebron will be a robust addition to our successful campaign, Andrew. Did you read some of the Twitter responses to that? <laughs> oh, the some were like money, like saying, like, uh, I, Somebody please tell him he is alone in this opinion. No, that, that was talking about, like, this this Civil War Andrew Luck stuff ain't funny, and I'm not the only one who shares that opinion. That's that's what they're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay, that's funny. No, except there's, there's except a, that Andrew, Captain Andrew Luck has 192,000 right. followers. It's obviously very funny. Yeah. Um, no, if you scroll down, they're talking about, like, how something like he has a tendency to drop his gun in the heat of battle <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, he just... So the Lions unit of Fort Detroiter and Jubilation and handing Lieutenant Ebron to the Colts. He would frequently leave the mess hall of hands of butter. Yeah. Lost the opportunities on the field of battle. Hands <laughs> of butter. Oh, that's, so uh, that's great. Um, okay. So let, let's bring this back to fantasy. Eric Ebron, I, I am – Dave, I'm just – I'm not drafting him this year. He's, he's, this is the 801 is where he was going. This is basically before the signing. Um, you could get – okay, let's play Would You Rather here of guys who are going after Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron or David Njoku? Um, Njoku. I would uh, agree. Uh, Eric Ebron or George Kittle? Kittle, for sure. I agree. Eric Kittle, e- like, way for sure. All right. Now I'm here, actually excited about Kittle. I am, too. We're going to talk about him in a little bit, too. Uh, Eric Ebron – now, this is the tough one. This, this might just – you just might bow, bow out of this. Mercedes Lewis? No, Eric, <laughs> Eric Ebron or Tyler Eifert? I'll take Eifert. I think I would, too, despite all the um, uh, soft tissue injuries. Eric Ebron or Jason Witten? Oh, Witten. I'm comfy with Witten. No question. 
Uh, Eric Ebron or Austin Safarian Jenkins? Yeah, sure. I agree. Eric Ebron or Austin Hooper? Ugh, woof. Um, give me a Hooper. I would too, but I, I could honestly go the other way. Uh, Eric Ebron or Trey Burton? Um, I'll take, I think Burton's way overhyped. That's he hasn't fine. produced enough in the NFL. Okay. But he, the thing is, the uncertainty of Burton is better than the certainty of Ebron, so I'll take Burton. Four rounds of value on Trey Burton, too, uh, with, in comparison to Ebron. Eric Ebron or Jared Cook? We'll leave it at that. I'll take Ebron. Cook is terrible. Uh, I will take Jared Cook. Okay. Enjoy. Um, I, well, I mean, I don't know if I'm... I'm just know, kidding. I'm just saying, I mean, like the down between these two guys. He's, he fits in with that whole super old Raiders team. NFL media's Lance Zierlein has heard from one team, or he says he's heard from one team, from more than one team, excuse me, that Ronald Jones, running back from USC, has been dismissive during interactions with NFL teams, according to Lance Zierlein on Twitter. Quote, caught both teams way off guard. Uh, Jones did not complete his workout at the combine. You remember he uh, hurt his hammy in the uh, 40-yard dash. They have a uh, pro day in USC uh, for USC coming up in early April. He's going to run the uh, 40 there. At least he's planning to there. And uh, you look at what this means. This is, this is not good, Dave. Uh, any of the stuff that's happened to Ronald Jones since the NFL draft talk picked up, you have this report from Lance Zierlein. You have the, you know, hurting his, uh, his hammy at the uh, combine. I was – on Ronald Jones before, uh, and I liked him better than Darius Geis, actually. I'm not sure if I do anymore, and, and I think he's sliding a little bit. Well, I think he has been sliding because he just it's weird because he doesn't finish the 40. So then no one really has any numbers to base him off of, and other people have done well, so he just kind of naturally moves down a little bit. Uh, I'm just I'm going to hold off judgment until I really see what he does in the 40 and what where he, kind of where he gets drafted a little bit. I'm not really that sure. What's, and by the way, to be – in this world, where it says, to be clear, we aren't sure what dismissive means. So I'm not sure where they went to college or high school, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. But it's not that hard of a word to be to, to define. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would just assume he's that, kind of an ass. Yeah, like you he know? just he was he was short and curt. Maybe he's, in know, his responses. Maybe he's pissed off that he hurt his hamstring. Could be. I, you know, I don't know what's what's going on with them, but uh, it, you know, it's not not great, not good. I'm sure as a USC student, he knows what the Smithson means, Ronald Jones, by the way. NC, That's a good school. Yeah, it's great for film. NC State <laughs> defensive end Bradley Chubb had a private workout with the Giants and expected to have an official visit with them within the next few weeks. Now, this is interesting, Dave, because this morning, I think it was this morning, Jason Pierre-Paul and a um, fourth-round pick was sent to Tampa in exchange for a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick. And to be clear, fireworks are not legal in Florida. <laughs> However, you can buy them on the way there in Tennessee. They're completely legal. Okay. So that aside, <laughs> thank you for that, by the way. Yep. So that aside, this is interesting for the NFL draft. Do you believe the Browns take a quarterback with the number one pick? Uh, actually, I do now. I now, I now do. Okay. I believe they do, too. The number two pick is owned by the Giants. Mm-hmm. Now, this would suggest to me that they are not going to be taking Barkley, that they are not going to be taking a quarterback, that they could be taking Bradley Chubb here to fill this defensive end position that is now open from JPP. Chubb, who is a much better fit for the 3-4 than JPP was, this makes all the sense in the world that Chubb would go at number two. Now, I need you to agree with me just for the sake of this argument. Well, that makes a good point. Okay. It's actually a pretty good point. Okay. The number three pick was the Colts. Yeah. Now it's the Jets. They weren't trading up for Barkley, I can't imagine. Correct. 
They're good enough for a quarterback. For a quarterback. One of the jockeys. Yes, maybe, yeah, because you said they don't have the stones to take Mayfield. Then who's sitting at four? But the Browns. But the Browns. Who can take Barkley at their convenience, at their leisure. Who could take Barkley there, Dave, but they already have Duke Johnson and they already have Carlos Hyde. Yeah. What are we to make of this? Because now it seems like Barkley's actually likely to be, much more likely to be a Brown than he was 24 hours ago. Well, you know, I don't really know the total details of the contracts, but I assume that Duke Johnson and Hyde's contracts aren't insane, like that they can't get out of Three years, $15 million for Hyde. I don't know what Duke's is, but I'm sure it's, he might even still be on his rookie deal. Well, here's the deal. They're NFL contracts, so unless it was some special yeah. one, they can do whatever they want because the players get through. Yeah. So for sure, of course. Right. So they could take Barkley. Or, I mean, really, with that team, as much as they have needs, you know, if they're comfortable with those, those two running backs, they could trade down just – you know, when you have a one pick and a four pick, just keep trading out little by little. And little by, you know how many they picks already you have? have so many picks this draft. They have, dude, there's 50 players, on, you know, 49 players on the roster, 45 active on yeah. game day. You need a ton of talent. Any of those picks in the top, like, 90, yeah. from what, you know, a lot of the studies that people, you know, a lot of studies that are out there say that the more picks you have, the better. I mean, a lot of times it's just like shooting, you know, shotguns. Yeah. You're, you're shooting a shotgun, just take as many shots as you can. I think yeah. that's not a bad move. No, that's true. Because from the Although four, four pick, you can get a one, but yeah. the other teams that need a quarterback, and they've already got their one. Or maybe somebody's willing to move up to grab Barkley. Because if, if, if Chubb goes two, right, right, then that leaves one of the other Joshes, and then or maybe the other whoever. So, you know. Lamar Jackson. Or, yeah, or, or move up to take Barkley. Yeah. I mean, that's entirely – there's so many different ways that, that this could go that's down. That's a very, yeah. very, very valuable pick at four. Yeah. And it just became more valuable after this Jason Pierre-Paul trade. If this happens, yeah. Well, but again, we're we're – talking about that this makes that scenario much more likely to happen than it did well, it prior to the trade. The Giants are just, they need a lot. They do need a lot. Uh, speaking of teams that need a lot, let's go down to Miami. The Dolphins found a new running back today, <laughs> and maybe new is not the right modifier to describe this guy because he is, I believe, 54 years old. Frank Gore, one-year deal to sign with the Dolphins. I This is another decision that I don't understand what Miami is doing. Uh, they, I know that they've, well, the pu- here is good. they've publicly said they want to change the culture inside the locker room. You know, they've gotten rid of Jay Ajayi. They've gotten rid of Jarvis Landry. Uh, Gore actually played for the U uh, back in the day, and he wanted to, uh, to finish his career down in Miami. He has uh, averaged below four yards of carry his last three years. He is not catching passes anymore. It's, this is good news for Kenyon Drake, Dave, if they stand pat on this. I don't believe they will. I still think they add another running back uh, probably on day two of the NFL draft. I can see that, day two or day three even. You know, take, I don't Damian th- Williams, by the way, is now a Kansas City Chiefs, so they do not have him back there anymore. So there is a yeah. spot open. I, yeah, I think, you know, I think that they'll take a shot. I don't think they're going to use a premium pick on a back, but – even if they wait till day two or day three, sometimes, sometimes those back, like a Royce Freeman or whatever, he yep. could get his pick there. And Rashad Penny. Yeah, any of those guys. Yep. And and they're they're true competition to Kenyon Drake. Yep. Drake's not you know he's not the biggest guy. Although, you know, watching Drake play, he looks great. I mean, yep. to me, he looked like a really solid running back. Bo Scarborough and just sure make Robert, him an Alabama East down yeah, there in the backfield. This is you know I actually I feel I, I'm happy for Gore. This is kind of a cool thing for him though. Yeah. It's like you know, finish your career down. You know, the weather is nice. Your knees won't hurt or anything like that. No, no stadiums, no tax, a good time. Yeah. It's like ballers. He's living the real-life version of ballers for you. Can you imagine, like, you know, the discussion? With, with the rock. Yeah. The discussion that went on in the Miami front office, like, hey, what about Gore? Well, man, I mean, we're not making any good decisions. Sure, bring him on in. 
I was listening to uh, Adam Schefter's podcast, and he was talking with uh, yeah. fellow. Yeah, uh, it's, it's all right. Um, it's it's not a it's not like a really fantasy podcast, so I you know it's not part of my regular. He gets awesome guests, so I'm sure it doesn't hurt. Field Yates was the guest on uh, this episode, ESPN NFL Insider Field Yates, and they were talking about Miami and and the decisions that they were making. Now Field Yates came from a scouting background. He used to be a scout for the Patriots. And uh, when he made his transition from scouting to uh, being a part of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, sports journalism, he said that he knew from being a scout that you don't really, uh, on the surface, if you're not privy to the information the organization has or if you don't know what's going on within the organization, you would see a move like, like moves like the Dolphins are making, you're like, what are they doing? This makes no sense. Whereas you can be within that organization, know everything that's going on, and then these moves make complete and perfect sense. Like, it's obvious that, that they should do something like that. So I don't want to speak out of turn and say, I know what's better for the Dolphins. I mean, they, they uh, and, and Schefter said this too. Schefter said, like, when he's talked to people down there, he's like, these are decisions, the decisions they're making and the football moves they're making, they have full conviction and full belief that they are doing the right things to get this team back into um, contention for a playoff spot and then eventually competing for championships. So they're wholehearted, full-on into this. Yeah, they should believe in what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I don't get it, and uh, quite frankly, there probably will not be very many Dolphins on my fantasy rosters this year, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, you don't have to, you know, you're preaching to the – Big time choir here. Right. You're a big time choir. <laughs> big time choir. By the way, Field the Eighth, it's almost like a porn star name for like a football guy. Like, you know what his first name is Field. That sounds fake. Do you know what his middle name is? Yard. Minister. But that was weird. <laughs> Kenyon Drake going Kenyon Drake going at the four oh two right now in FFPC drafts. Too early, too late, just right. That's pricey for me just because I think there's too much uncertainty with what happened. Even after Gore today. Oh whatever, yeah. I think yeah, so. I'm agreeing with you. I just yeah. Where's Alex Collins going? Uh, by the way, the earliest that Terry Cohen had been drafted was the 509. Okay. You had brought that up during our Widener interview. You're right. Alex Collins, 706 currently right now, one spot behind Nick Chubb, and actually a half round ahead of Jarek McKinnon. Well, that's going to be that's obviously a lot of data that's old now. That's true. That's a great point. We need we need Darren Armani to. Give us, a, give us a time frame on that. I think you will. Give us the um, Oreo Armani, not the, uh, the Armani Exchange version. Ah, that's hilarious. Okay, let's uh, get into um, fantasy feedback, and we'll uh, talk about how the tight ends finished uh, this past year. We kind of teased it throughout the broadcast tonight about how some of these guys um, were surprised us, how some of them didn't surprise us, and, you know, surprised us both in a positive way and a negative way. You had the sheet in front of you there, Dave. I know you probably don't see it yet, but it's there, right there. Thank you, Eric. I see it now. Thank okay, you. Excellent. So we can, uh, there's just a few talking points. If you see something, say something, obviously. But the first one I want to talk about is the tight end number four last year, and that's Evan Engram. Now, he is being drafted as a tight end four this year. Okay, that makes perfect sense. At the 404, is that a good spot in a tight end premium league where you would be looking at getting an elite tight end? Is that the type of, you know, would you be okay taking Engram there given most rookie tight ends struggled in their first year and that seemingly was not an issue for him? Yeah, it would, absolutely. I mean, because he's got upside from, this, from, from his rookie season, he got his upside. Now, granted, there was the 
Beckham injury and Marshall injury and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, he's definitely showed talent. They're going to use him. They're going to keep throwing to him. I, 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 don't see a, I don't see a really low floor for him. I, I, I think you see a high ceiling. I mean, he could, why couldn't he be as good as, like, you know, Kelsey or Gronk? I mean, granted, there's not a high percentage chance of that, but I think there's a shot. There's a shot. Uh, is he your number four tight end behind Kelsey, Gronk, and Ertz? Because that's how FFPC players have him right now. Yeah, I would have to say so, especially with Burton leaving. you got to leave Ertz up there. And would you like him – you still like him better than Greg Olson? Yeah. And do you still like him better than Jimmy Graham? Absolutely. Okay. Well, I mean, Jimmy Graham, I'm not – you know, he's so, – are we going to talk about Graham? Do you want to talk about him? <laughs> do you want to talk about him? Well, I mean, you know, uh, you know what? He's the next guy on the list, so we right, can't. Go ahead. I mean, you know, the Packers, and we've talked about this time and again, the Packers just do not use their tight ends all that efficiently. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I am cautiously optimistic about Graham and giving him more targets, but you still have to deal with the history. I mean, is he going to get more than 100 targets, 110? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to hope that they're smart enough to do it, but I don't – maybe they're not. Maybe they're McCarthy not. McCarthy doesn't look that smart. Now, I'll say this. Who was the guy they were throwing to in the red zone last year? You know, Adam certainly had a, a lot of targets, but who made his living? Who was the only reason he was any kind of fantasy relevant for the Packers last year? Because of his touchdowns. Who? Jordy Nelson. This is a guy that... Well, for how... Uh, anyway. Well, I mean, he had whatever it was, like six touchdowns by the time Rodgers got hurt. Okay, so you're talking about that one part of the season then? Or? Well, I'm, I'm making a point that that's what Nelson okay. did when, sure. when, when he Rogers was out there. Was, was, yeah, okay. And Nelson's now gone. So now who are you looking at? Are you just going to pump all those... You can't throw a Cobb down there. Why not? Cobb gets a lot of red zone targets and red zone touchdowns. Even though he doesn't look like he should, he does get a lot. Yeah. And traditionally, right? He's... I guess my, my point is, like, Jimmy Graham is, is – he's, he's a much such, better red zone He's an target. overpowering force down when you get in, inside the 10, inside the 5. Yeah. And um, I feel like Graham, maybe he doesn't get 100 targets this year, right. but he might be the type of guy that maybe you can count on the t- touchdown um, right. output a little bit more than you could for a lot of other guys. That's a good point. In, in, especially when you have the uncertainty of running back, I, I think that that's something. The one, you know, the, you know, the Packers quarterback that would have gotten a dozen touchdowns for Graham is Favre. Favre would always, Favre always was trying to pad his touchdown stats. He always, like, audible. He would have, like, a run play call. He'd be like, oh, 1280, 1280. He'd throw it to a tight end for a one-yard touchdown. He'd do it all the time. Back in the day when they had Keith Jackson, Mark Chimura. Yeah, he would just, yeah. yeah. He toss all those little dumpers off. That's how he'd end up with 40-plus touchdowns every year. I am still of the public stance, Dave. That I will not, I am not bullish on Jimmy Graham this year. I probably will not be drafting him in a whole lot of spots. I believe that the way that the Packers structured this deal, um, it is fairly easy to get out after year one. And I don't know if that's a blowback from the Martellus Bennett thing that they didn't want to be caught in that situation again. But I think that there's a chance uh, that he could just not be with the team anymore after 2018. And if he's not with the team anymore in 2018. It means that his 2018 season was not very good. And well, I, I'm, you know, I, I would actually be higher on Graham. I think if he was somewhere else, but I don't think he's washed up. I think he's still doing well. I think he's, you know, he actually put up decent numbers last yeah. year and the year before he was a tight end three. So I think he still has something in the tank. Now I will say this: when you get, obviously, you and I would rather have Engram, Kelsey, Gronk, and Ertz ahead of him. I personally would rather have Olson than Jimmy Graham. I don't know how you fall on that. Who's again? Olson or Graham this year? I'll take Olsen, yeah. Okay. He's more likely to get a bunch of targets. Okay. But then after that, Dave. Even with McCaffrey getting a lot. Look, look at the other guys going around Jimmy Graham. Hunter Henry, Delaney Walker, Kyle Rudolph, Jack Doyle. I'm, not, even, I'm looking at the, the traditional stats here. I'm not looking that's, at no, Okay, that's fine. I'm just telling you where, okay. they, where they're so going. So who's going there? 
you're right in that same cluster. Hunter Henry, Delaney Walker, Kyle Rudolph, Jack Doyle, Jordan Reed. It seems weird to say it, but a 31-year-old tight end might have more upside than any of those guys there. Yeah, Jack Doyle, I'm not all interested in. Right, um, Kyle Rudolph throwing, getting from Cousins now. Yeah, getting. that's okay. I don't mind Rudolph. Okay. Rudolph's pretty solid. Um, although he's never been a 12-target-a-game type Right, guy. He, you know, and they still have Thielen and Diggs. Yeah, and Graham can get that So mm-hmm. every once in a while. Plus, don't you think Dalvin Cook is going to take some opportunities? Uh, you know, he'll get some opportunities inside the red zone, too, sure. that, that Kyle Rudolph made his living on the last couple of years. Sure. Uh, Hunter Henry or Jimmy Graham, you'd rather have Graham? I would, but I'm kind of optimistic with Henry. I think I'd rather have Graham than Henry, too, and Graham or Delaney Walker. You know, I'll, I'll, take, uh, I'll take Walker for some reason. Okay, you know what's interesting is we just agreed on all this yet, but I am not bullish on Jimmy Graham, and, and <laughs> you are, and we both have him behind – the same five guys, which is well, so bizarre. Well, that's okay. I mean, I, I, I think he, I do think he has upside from that spot. That's why I'm not that interested in, I'm not why I am interested in, in looking at him. Yeah. And maybe you don't think he has upside from that spot. Maybe you think that that's maybe what he's going to do and he could do a lot worse. Aces Rebels wants to know in the in the chat this year, over or under 11 touchdowns for Jimmy Graham? I think you got to go under that because that, that type of number, would, you'd never see a number in Vegas because it's way too high because you have the injury risk. Yeah. I think the number would be like eight is where they probably would set it at. It'd probably be 50 50 when he's okay. And he's his rebel. He's in Vegas. He should, know the, yeah. he should know this prop stuff. I, uh, I'm taking a, under 11. I would also take under 8 as well. Um, oh, really? Yeah. $5? Well, yeah, but I mean, if you're, how strongly do you feel if you're saying it's a 50 50 shot at 8? Good enough. Let's go. We All right, fine. I got five dollars. I got Jimmy Graham eight. Uh, under 8 t- touchdowns this year. 8 is a push? 8 is a push. All right. I got five dollars. He's rebel. Thanks for finally generating a bet out of these two. Uh, the old curmudgeons on the on the show. Okay. Uh, speaking of old curmudgeons, number nine tight end last year, Dave. Super rock star. Holy hell. It's, All famer. it's Jason Witten. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. This, this was from 2008. He was the uh, number nine tight end. And 2018. I don't know. <laughs> probably been, three years in between. He was probably top five in 2008. But my God, Dave, the number nine tight end last year is in an offense with the same guys, maybe taking – Des Bryant taking a step back. Um, Cowboys just signed some receiver today. I can't remember who it was. Oh, Deontay uh, – what's, what's the guy's name? Deontay Williams or whatever his name was from – Deontay Benjamin from the Bills. Oh, whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, he's going in the 10th round as tight end 17 right now. Insane value. I don't know. And here's why. Okay. I just looked at his numbers last year. Right. And it makes me want to puke, actually, a little bit. Right. Um. His first two weeks, he had an 18.9. This is a, not FFPC, it's just PPR. 18.9 and a 25.7. And then he had a 1.3, a 1.9. And then he had a 14, a bye week of 15. And then a 6, a 1.5, a 12.9, a 1.7, 11.4, 7.8, 9, 8.7, 8.9. So, he, you know, like five, six weeks, he didn't break nine points. And then like four different weeks, he had like one catch for three yards. That's just was like so crappy. I just don't. I, I feel like I got to get more upside than that. Okay, let's talk about this from a best ball standpoint. That's let's, fine. That, yeah, great. Let's say you want to wait on tight ends in best ball in the FFPC. Here's what you could do: you could grab Jason Witten in the you know end of the tenth, and then early eleventh, you could take Austin Sperry and Jenkins. Okay, and then you could wait. And next, and uh, in the twelfth, you could get a guy like Cameron Brait, 
Charles Clay, Adam Shaheen, all those guys going in the 12th, and boom, there's your three tight ends. Sure, that's great. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, you could add somebody late, you know, Vernon Davis or, or uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, you know, somebody like that, um, or, or one of the rookie tight ends if you wanted to do that. So maybe you don't want to play the stream with tight ends and, and try to guess which weeks Witten is going to have it, but, man, in best ball right now to, to wait in the 10th round to, to get last year's number nine tight end, we mentioned ASJ. He was uh, the number 19 tight end last year. He is being drafted as tight end 18 this year at the end of the 10th round, early 11th round. ASJ, what do you make of him in Jacksonville this year, given that there is no Allen Robinson, given that there is no Allen Hearns, and top three receivers are Marquise Lee, um, Keelan Cole, and D.D. Um, Westbrook, thank you. Three slight guys that probably aren't great red zone guys. And then the backup tight end is Niles Paul, who was he's, he's been a blocker, you know, blocking yeah. tight end the majority of his career. I love ASJ. ASJ could be a, a, a force this year, and he's still going in the double-digit rounds. I think that's a great value. Fantastic. Okay. Obviously, he's got total upside all over the place. And uh, you believe that he will finish higher than the number 19 tight end? Yeah, I think he has, a decent, I think he has about a 50-50 shot to finish top 10. Maybe even higher. Uh, By the way, can I give you a quick little point? Hold on, hold on. Ace's Rebels in the, in the chat. Okay, let's say Jimmy Graham is, you know he's playing 16 games. Then where do you set the total at? I'd say eight. Still eight? eight? And a half. Okay. Then I'll even go up higher. Maybe, I'm going to say nine. Okay. <laughs> that's just I mean, that's nine. a lot of touchdowns. Though. Okay, fine. Go ahead, make your point. All right, so Cortland Sutton, you have that 6573 cone. Yes. He's a tall fella. Yeah. 6'3", by the way, 6'3", 218. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were two other... Uh, players that had better, you know, the agility score, which is popularized by Rotoviz. It's a really tough formula. You take the three cone and you add it to the other stupid drill. Okay. The uh, short shuttle. Short shuttle, yeah. So it's, he had a six five seven and a four point one one for a total of ten point six eight. There were two other wide receivers that were as tall in the neighborhood, six one or higher, that uh, that beat that number in NFL history. In the combine this year. Oh, this year. This year's combine. Yes. Okay. Um... DJ Moore? Uh, DJ Moore is not tall enough to do that. He is only 6 feet 210. And he, okay. he had a 695 and a 407, so he's, he did not have the numbers. Okay, fine. But uh, you're actually you're really, 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 really close. DJ Chark? No, but right. the other direction. Um, Herman Moore? I don't know. Jamon Moore from Missouri. Oh, Jamon Moore from Missouri. Okay, and then here was the other guy I was going to guess. Equinemia St. Brown? No, that's punk. <laughs> he's a total punk, by the way. Why is he a punk? Because he didn't run the three cone oh, short shuttle okay. at the combine. And you know what? He had his pro day today. And during the show, I looked it up. He didn't run it today either. Ah, what's, what he, what's he hiding? What are you hiding, Equinemius? Yeah, other than a long name. Um, the other guy. Yeah. Can I give you a hint? Yes. He's uh, he's a, he's a, one of the he's a lighter skinned fellow. Dylan Cantrell. Yeah, Dylan Cantrell. Tech. Uh, yes, sir. Right. Okay. Not very. Not, he didn't. Wasn't very productive. But, oh, boy, he blew up the combo. Yeah. So, yeah. Dave, would you call Dylan Cantrell sneaky fast? <laughs> yeah. Would you say that he has a high football IQ? <laughs> yeah. Would you say he is a polished route runner? <laughs> hey, speaking about, you know, should we, should we talk about the other uh, the other white wide receiver we, we were talking about the other day? Uh, uh, Watson from Penn, right? He's oh, yeah, yeah. It. Yeah. This is, this is the guy that you mentioned. Yeah, let me find his uh, stuff. I was thinking about that uh, the SMU because we talked about the SMU receiver too, um, the the sort of slot guy, the shorter guy. 
he didn't have a great combine. I can't remember what his name is now. Um, but those are really that's the extent of the white wide receiver. Trey Quinn. No, that's not SMU. Trey Quinn. That doesn't sound like. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> that that was the guy who actually looked really good. He did, I, okay. Um, I can't believe it. I'm going to Google this SMU white receiver <laughs> and see what comes Here's up. Even the racially ambiguous part of the show where we're making stupid comments. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, black people don't maybe like. You know what? It might be Trey Quinn. Really. It might be. Hold cool. on. Him. Yeah, it's Trey Quinn. He's white, six foot two hundred. Cool. From Lake Charles, Louisiana. Yeah, good for him. All right. So Justin Watson. So Trey Quinn, did he have a good combine? You said twenty two. No, he didn't have a great combine, but okay. he was all right. Justin Watson from Penn. He got dissed at the at the combine. By who? By all. Who's, of he, who's he got beef with? Well, whoever they didn't invite him. Okay. Uh, R.C. Fisher, by the way, he posted some of this information. R.C. Fisher, collegefootballmetrics.com, former guest of the show. So uh, he mentioned that Justin Watson from Penn did well at the East-West game, which then got him an invite to the Senior Bowl, and he said he looks fantastic that he saw. 4-4-2-40, uh, 40-inch vertical, 20 bench press reps, 124-inch broad jump. And he's like, uh, they didn't just list his size. But, I mean, he's like 6'2", 220. I mean, he's like a big dude. Rocked up. Yeah. And I, I, I watched the route running because they showed all this stuff. He looks great. You know who he looks like? He kind of looks like uh, Jake in 16 Candles. He's got that uh, oh, the handsome. Jake Ryan. Yeah, Jake yeah. Ryan, although he's taller and bigger. Um, <laughs> we have a projected round for this guy. Is he a UDF guy? Well, he UDFA was, or yeah, seventh uh, round. Fisher was saying that he thought he was an undrafted free agent, okay. but now that he's going to now he's going to get drafted because of the whole volume right. of his pro day. Is he this year's Moritz Barringer? <laughs> Remember that guy? Maybe he's this year's Cooper Cup. Oh, now you know, we're Cooper, on to something. I mean, Cooper Cup. Everybody was talking about, like, oh, he's going to go in the fourth, fifth round. So he goes in the third round. Yeah. And he's this old guy. He's old. Blah, blah, blah. They had a great year. He played better than Mr. Sammy Watkins. He just got yeah. himself however many millions of dollars. I will say this. Uh, Sammy Watkins, uh, what he doesn't do as well as Cooper Cup, does not have a as high of a football IQ, is not as polished a route runner, <laughs> and is not as sneaky fast. Sounds like something you'd say on Fox News. Yeah, I have no comment. Last thing I want to bring up, uh, 49ers tight end. He finished number 23 last year, and he's being drafted as the 15th tight end off the board in the early ninth round this year in the 902, George Kittle. Tell the listeners a little bit about why, as, as our good friend KFFSC Commissioner Farrell Elliott would say, why do you want to be in business with George Kittle in 2018? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he came on kind of late. I, I just... I just feel like the team likes him, and they have Jimmy Garoppolo. You have a good quarterback. Right. Throwing to him, I think that's I – mean, what do you What else do you want? They have added Jarek McKinnon. They have added uh, Weston Richburg. They have uh, – Kept Marquise Goodwin. He kept Marquise Goodwin. They have Pierre Garçon coming off um, the uh, head injury. I think it was a head or something, whatever they put him on IR for. Are they done – with, with their offense? Are they just going to address defense, uh, you know, in the first two days of the draft? Or do you see them using a day one or day two pick on a receiver that could, quote, unquote, gum up the works for George Kittle? I think they should. I think they will. Because, they, you know, you, you paid all this money to Garoppolo. I, I think it would be a mistake to not try and surround him with as many weapons as you possibly can. Are so we talking like, like, the Browns, like the Browns are doing? The Browns yeah. are doing that. They're, like, we're giving you as many weapons as you can. The Chiefs are doing that with Mahomes. I think that's fantastic. And it's like, if you don't do well and you have all those players, I mean, then it's you. Yeah. All right. I'm on board with that. I don't have a good <laughs> way to wrap up the show other than to say what a great show. we're done and what a great show indeed. Bye-bye now. I want to thank Doug Widener, Dave Gerzak, the FFPC, Rob Rice, and, of course, all of you. Now, I have the question to ask you. Are you off next week? Are you on next week, March 30th? 
Next Friday? I am unfortunately not going to be able to make it. You are off. That's what I thought. So I have, uh, will have a, a, a co-host lined up that will do the show with me uh, next uh, March 30th. Uh, so we'll be back. We will not do a show next Thursday. We'll be back at a regular scheduled time, uh, 10, 9 Central on Friday night. Register for the main event, Best Ball and Dynasty League, now at myffpc.com. And, hey, get in on that football, guys, early bird. Register before June 30th. Draft the team before July 14th. You're going to get a free FFP $35. Do it three times. Uh, your early weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Big dog stay on the court. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. You know what's great about this Jimmy Graham thing now that I think about it? If I win, awesome, I win. But if I lose, Packers should be doing good. Oh, right? This is Homer analysis stuff. I hate this stuff. No, it's, uh, it's Homer hedging. Yeah, no, Homer hedging. Not, not Homer hedging. I, I think I found a new, uh, I think well, I found I a know, new team I name. I have the Bears receiver going against you, but you know, hopefully he does bad and then yeah. my team wins. All right. I, I don't think I've ever sounded like really that. Thank you. That's all other people talk. See you next week.